0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Okay, n- now I know how pastors feel. It's about 11 o'clock at le- night, last night. I had a blank page and some post-it notes. <laughs> and uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Waiting for it. Um, I have just turned in uh, a long assignment. It's a four month long assignment for the course I've been doing with Graham Cook. So uh, Jeff said, Has the Lord been putting anything on your heart? And I just say, Well, yeah, I've been processing a whole bunch of stuff. You don't want my pages and pages. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I want to start with um, scripture reading. I always say you can follow along, but I'm using a a Passion Translation. If you don't have it and you're trying to follow along, it's confusing. So if you trust me, I am reading from the Bible. Uh, Ephesians 3. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength flows through your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. The other scripture I'm going to read is one that was, it was part of my assignment. And, and part of the assignment was what scripture verses have uh, affected you most in the last few months or you know had something to, to, to tie everything together in what's happening. And um, it was this one in Hebrews 4. Um, now, the, what's happening in just the previous chapter is uh, he's talking about the... Uh, people, particularly at Meribah, the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, and um, how they had failed to grasp everything God had for them. Now, God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith, so we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it, for we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. Um, so, looking around here this morning, I'm seeing a lot of people who have been through the valley of Acor, the valley of trouble, in the last while. Well, you know, some of you I know. Some of you are more private, and uh, you know. But the Lord knows what you've been going through, and for a lot of people, it's 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 been a tough slogging year or two. And uh, so I, w- I was asking the Lord early in the year. I asked him for a word, and I also asked him, you know, what does this mean? How do you want me to respond? Who do you want to be for me in this in these circumstances? So one day. Uh, it was a little over a year ago. I was driving to Calgary for yet another appointment. Richard was sick. He couldn't come. He was contagious. They asked him to stay away. So I was driving alone. Road conditions weren't great. I had my iPod on shuffle because I didn't want to be playing with the dials. And um, and I was just praying. And, you know, it was kind of scary. So I was just saying, God, what do you want me to do? Really? What do you want me to do? And suddenly, my, the, the music starts playing, and it's Etta James, and she's going, Trust in me in all you do. Have the faith in me that I have in you. And I'm going, you're kidding, right? <laughs> I didn't know this was on my iPod. I had I had bought an album of jazz songs, and I had only I thought loaded down two or three of them. I'd never heard this song before. You ask a question, God, what do you want me to do? And the music says, "Trust in me." You know, like, okay, <laughs> let's pay attention to that. So I realize as I'm um, going through this, he says. Have the faith in me that I have in you. You have faith in me? Okay, that's... No, that doesn't fit my theology. (laughs) Well, Sometimes he messes with my theology. Because he reminded me, he went to Gideon when Gideon was hiding. Gideon was so scared. And he said, Hail, mighty man. You know? um, God saw him in a way that he didn't see himself. Okay? And sometimes God sees us in ways... And he responds to that persona that person he knows that you are going to be and um, that's what I think what was was happening here so I, as part of this journey I realized there are four basic questions I think we ask um, as we're in our spiritual journey first one is God are you real and who are you um, and then we ask and who am I really What am I purpose? What, who am I? And then we ask, okay, am I, am I lovable? And the big one, and do you love me? Um, yeah. So here's, here's, I'll give you a little bit of background. You know, here's one of the reasons I asked. I grew up with a fairly legalistic system, a lot of criticism. You know, you can always be better. It was good, but you can be better. Um, there have been moments of betrayal. We've all had them, and uh, some minor, some major. And I think you know, for people who've known betrayal by people who pray, people who said they loved you and then put their own interests first, that that's got to be one of the most painful, painful types of betrayal. And it's a betrayal that Jesus knew for sure. Um. So there's a reason why I hate reality shows, contests that are based on rejection, the elimination. In a way, they're interesting. Like Richard's been watching this one about sword making and cutting, and these guys you know they're slashing chickens and fish, and <laughs> and, and my son makes swords. You know, so this thing about the guys that make swords, and I used to watch, you know, the cake decorating thing, and then there's the dance thing, and then there's the singing thing. But every week, I'm sorry, but we have to eliminate somebody, okay? And it wasn't let's pick a winner. It's let's pick a loser. And it just, that bugs me because that was a really good sword, you know? She sang really, really well. She's got a lot of potential, that girl, you know? And what do you mean you're kicking her off the show? But when you grow up in a very competitive environment where you there is a winner and losers, okay? We grow up with this thing, if you're not first, if you don't win, if you don't place, if you don't medal, you don't count, all right? And I, I grew up in a competitive system where you either won or you disappeared. Um, so... I, I I I find this rejection thing, you know, just kind of hits a sore spot. Probably needs some sozo for that. Um, but here's the thing, you know, the people were rejected because your sword's not sharp enough, your baking is too crumbly, your dancing is not original. There's it, it would be good, but there's there's this thing wrong, and I still I still mess up. I, it's I don't have to look too hard. I can be very annoying. I talk too much. I don't listen as much as I should. Um I'm not well disciplined. I can't keep house for love money or marbles. Um I got I got I got a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm very very aware of. And some of it is some of it is a more serious nature like you know going to other people for comfort instead of going for God, to God, going to other things for comfort and, you know, zoning out someplace and, instead of going to God for comfort. And I feel like, oh, he gently points this out. This, this needs a little correction, but I'm, that's, I get kind of tired of myself. And so when I come to this point of knowing I need a change, what usually comes up underneath, you know, if, if I'm honest and I admit, is like, God. Do you still love me? Because my history has taught me that if you mess up, they disappear. And so much of our picture of God is based on authority figures we have known, on friends we have known, on relationships we have, because that's that's our what our paints and our canvas, if you like. Those are those those are what we have to construct God with, and He says. He is wholly other. he is nothing like anybody else in our life. We, have, we learn about what love is when somebody loves us. We learn about the fruit of the spirit. I realized one day I had a, a counselor, and my, my friend was saying you know, she was playing games with you know hers and being trying to be smarter and I had a counselor, and I said no you know he's really he 's amazingly patient and he 's kind because he 's gone out of his way to you know, to help me with things. And, you know, and he's he's, he's, he's quite joyful. In fact, that I come in there and, you know, miserable all the time. And I realized he was showing me the fruit of the Spirit. And because of that, I knew it existed. And that's one of the things as parents is to show your children, this is what love, joy, peace, kindness look like. So that when they grab those tools, they have some concept. Now, God's is bigger, but they have some concept. Um... Part of this, part of this connecting the dots. That's kind of Richard is very analytical. You know, he goes deeper and deeper and deeper and very logical, step by step. Okay, when I when I'm working on something, uh, I, I, I have I'm this this mass of dots. I don't know how they connect, <laughs> and it's, but that's that's sort of sort of the way I think. So I'm giving you the dots first. Um. When I'm thinking about people going through the troubles, you know, a lot of people are going through. There was there was a time when when um, the story in Hosea really stood out to me. And in Hosea too, there, there's a symbolism of Israel as the woman um, who has gone, who is unfaithful to her husband. Okay, and Hosea is the prophet, and symbolically he marries an unfaithful woman. And then God talks about the interpretation of this living nightmare dream. And says, I will take her from her vineyards and the other place. I will take her into the valley of Acor. Now, Acor means trouble. I'm taking her into the valley of troubles. And he says, and there I will allure her. And she will respond to me. And she will sing to me as in the days of her youth. And that word, she will respond to me, in Hebrew is Anna. And I looked up that other words. It's used most of the time when people use that word. It's um, in the Psalms frequently, in a prayer. People are saying, Lord, hear us. Lord, respond to us. See our situation. Respond to us. But sometimes God says anna. To his people, he said, my people, hear me, listen to me, respond to me. I'm calling out to you. It's like God prays to us, which is another theological thing I probably shouldn't say. But he, in the communication, prayer goes both ways. And he says, Anna, come to me. And what he wants in the midst of this trouble, he took her aside from all of the things she was depending on. To allure her, to woo her, and there is a divine romance going on here. Now, men don't check out because if women can see themselves as sons of God, men can see themselves as the bride of Christ. There is a wooing that that goes on here. And okay, I was I was watching I was watching two uh, youngish people, and I was in a situation where. Uh, you know, you watch these two two guys, two a woman and a man, and friends of mine, and, and hey, something going on here. <laughs> uh, you know, and have, they only have eyes for each other, and you feel like the third person in a two seater convertible. You know, <laughs> it's just like in, uh, no. Now I'm just going to watch this, and and it was a very interesting evening. And afterwards, I said to my friend, "Huh." Ah, so, you guys are an item, eh? She's, no, 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 no. We're just friends. I said, uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what. When you start giving little gifts to each other, and when you start feeding each other, watch it. In this case, Richard says sometimes he's seen young women who remind him of puppies who chase cars, and have no idea what to do with it when they catch it. <laughs> In this case, it was like... She's chasing a Mack truck. I don't think she really actually wants to go that way. She's just kind of trying out her skills here. Um, But the next time I'm with him the next day, he drops by with a few posies he's picked up from somebody's garden on the way. And she just happens to have made a plate of his favorite cookies. And I'm, you know, off in the kitchen, minding my own business, sort of. And... She, he turns around and he says, oh, these are fantastic. Have one. And she says, no, no, I made them just for you. You have one. And I turned around and caught her eye and went, uh-huh. <laughs> and she's, oh, oh, my goodness. OK. Now, the relationship didn't go on. Because in this romance relationships, and we, and we, do, have, we do have this pattern way of doing things. But what happens at a crisis point in, in potential romance relationships is that somebody has to take the risk of trust. And when you're first dating somebody, you know, you dress up, you look your best, you don't tell them about your strange uncle. You know, you just, you, you, you want to make an impression, right? You're trying to make an impression on this person. Now, as it goes on, you, the, the test is, a moment of vulnerability. And that's when you tell the other person something about yourself that is risky to tell. Okay? It's something that's not so attractive and you want to see how are they going to react. And if you can trust them with that much, then you can trust them with something else. And the big gamble is the first person who says, I love you cuz you know some people will tell me the story there's nothing more than comfortable than saying i think i love you and the other person says so what about the game last night eh <laughs> um, i think that the relationship i'm talking about kind of got to that point and it's going like abort 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 <laughs> you know and you know i may have been grateful to see it go in a different direction um but it's 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 interesting to watch, and in the Divine Romance, there's a moment when we are trying to impress God. A lot of people stay there forever. Um, I was, I think, at one of the saddest funerals I've ever been at, uh, where the funeral is almost entirely from the Book of Ecclesiastics, and the person leading, you know, the funeral said. Our hope is that our brother has impressed God enough that at the end of the age, he will be allowed to come back and help clean up the earth. Because heaven was already full. Um, But our hope is that he impressed God. And I realize that I've had so many relationships in my life that were based on me impressing this person. And that's... We have lots. Those, those are acquaintances. Those are friends. Those are boss, but an intimate relationship isn't at that level. It goes deeper. It involves the vulnerability, um, showing God things we don't like. Um, so let me see if I can connect the dots here a little bit. In Hebrews, this is this is the verse that was standing out to me. Let me go back to Hebrews here. Uh, Hebrews four. Verse three, for those of us who believe faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Now, one of the things I have to, I am so incredibly grateful for is that I've been married to this man for 45 years, engaged, we were engaged in Valentine's Day 46 years ago, and I have never, ever had a moment of doubting his faithfulness. He's just, he's just a solid Wonderful man. He's all. Uh, sometimes he's annoying. <laughs> but I have never, ever, so am I. But <laughs> that's the vulnerability, you know. <laughs> but I have never, ever doubted him because I can rest in his love. And I know that if I'm late getting back from a meeting and I haven't called him, he's not going to kick me out, you know? He's. You know and and, and and he knows the same about me. We, we have this relationship, we have a committed relationship, and when things aren 't going well, and there were some years when things really weren 't going well, we had that we still had that commitment okay and we 're going to work on it but here's here 's the the connection that the Lord was helping me make. And it's back to Ephesians 3. Now, this prayer, Paul is praying that people will have the capacity, the capacity to receive God's love. If ever you've come back from vacation and your plants are dried out, you know, you pour water on them, and if they're so dry, it just goes right through, pours off the table, makes a mess. Okay? Okay. and, or if you've poured into a bucket with a hole in it, you can pour and pour and pour. And there are some people that you can pour and pour and pour your love and it just doesn't seem to stay. And I realized, you know, I'm, I, I was like a dry bucket, you know, with the Lord, you know, I'm 64 years old and I'm saying, Lord, do you love me? And he said, how many years is it going to take? Really? You know? Um, but the prayer is, you have the capacity to absorb it, to hold on to it. And I asked, well, why is loving so hard? And I said, because you need to give out of the overflow. You need to give out of what He has given you. And love comes from God. He says He loved us first. You know, in First in John, He said, you know, clearly that we love Him because He first loved loved us he is the one who makes the overtures and with, as we receive and accept his love we now have a concept of what it actually is and we also have enough to give to other people when we have this dutiful love this christian duty love and without being filled from this relationship it it is just a recipe for burnout and we wonder why so many people, really kind, loving people, burn out. It's because they haven't taken time for the relationship to be totally absorbing. But here, look at look at this connection here. I'm using um, passion translation, which I call the emotional version, uh, because I I I need to hear it on that level. Okay. So, uh, Ephesians three seventeen. Then, by constantly using your faith. The life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. That's what Hebrews said. They didn't receive because they did not activate the promises with faith. Okay? Where does faith come from? And how many of us said, Lord, give me faith? I don't have enough faith. Conjuring up faith. Okay, I've... (laughs) I'm really, really sick, and I need to have faith. I need to, you know, and and trying to get it out of ourselves. Where does faith come from? Well, you know, we're we're told that 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 verse in in Romans, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, The translation here is, uh, I think it's, oh, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Now, I'm going back to those verses that were so real to me in Hosea, that he allures us, and he says, and when she understands, she will anah, she will respond. One of them is, she will sing to me, but she will praise me, she will respond to me, okay? Faith comes from hearing God's overtures, his wooing, his anointed Rima word, and responding. Faith comes from responding. So I've got these three now that say promises are enacted when we join them with faith. Faith comes from acting on that little bit that we have received, taking the risk of being vulnerable with God. Not no longer trying to impress him with our busyness, our fancy prayers, our fancy buildings, whatever. It's coming to him in all honesty. And sometimes when we listen to the Psalms, when we are in that valley of trouble, it means crying. It means, God, I hurt so bad. Who do you want to be for me now? And he said, I want to be your lover. I want to be the one who brings you into that place of rest and confidence that even when things are rocky, you know I have a commitment to you and you have a commitment to me. I have faith in you. And here's Eddie James. <laughs> Trust in me in all you do. Have the faith in me that I have in you. And then the next line is, why don't you come to me? When things are wrong, come to me, come to me. And um, so when Jeff said, so what has the Lord been speaking to? <laughs> if you have anything, I'm trying, I've been trying to make these connections. I know these verses are important, but it's, um, where does love and faith come from? The promises are like God's little posies bringing you. And we don't see them until we are willing to to take the risk of trusting him, you know. That's easy to say, you know. But some of us are facing big things, really big things. And he's giving us, essentially, he's saying, okay, listen, you've been sitting in these pews for how many years? Getting all the theory? Here's here's the uh, homework assignment. Here's to find out what it looks like when you take this thing out for a drive. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, and knowledge that is just head knowledge is theory. It's lovely, but it doesn't stand up in a crisis. In a crisis, you need to know, because sometimes you're so upset you can't think. You need to know in your heart of hearts that he has a commitment to you. He is faithful. It's his faithfulness. Where does faith come from? It comes from God's fullness of faith. That's the source of our faith. And, it's, and our love comes from his ability to be love for us in every situation. So faith is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance. We love him because he first loved us, and he's like the parent who gives a kid money to go buy his 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 daddy a birthday present. <laughs> you ever done that? Yeah, daddy, I want to buy you a present. Here's here's okay. Here's five bucks. There's the dollar store. <laughs> but we're we're teaching them how to give. But we have to get that from him. Um, and as we act on it, then 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 it's uh, then it's expanded. Um, when we have these moments of, of vulnerability in relationship, it always goes two ways, right? You can't have one vulnerable person in the relationship and the other person who is just, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, if you love me, yeah, I know. Oh, oh, hand solo. I love you. I know. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, there's got to be. So, so when was God vulnerable? You know, I think when Jesus came to earth, as a human being and suffered everything that we did, but more than that suffered tremendous humiliation at the cross, you know, and I don't think we have any reason to believe that the soldiers in the, in the time of Romans were any better than the soldiers in the Iraq war. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure he was humiliated the same as a lot of us have been. And he was willing to do that. He could have defended himself, but he didn't. He became totally vulnerable. He hung on a cross, totally, totally vulnerable. And so when, you know, when we say, "Well, okay, here's my part of the bargain. I'm willing to tell you about the time that you know I stole a grape from the store." <laughs> and he says, "I'm willing to hang naked on a cross for you." you know?" And he's waiting for us to response. He's saying, "I love you." And all he's asking for us is to say, I love you too. I love you too. And when we step out on that, I love, okay, I love you. And I will take the risk of speaking in church with no notice. <laughs> um, it's a, okay, I'll have faith that you'll be there for me. Okay. And when we do that, he responds. He, he, uh, to our, uh, you know, he responds to us. So. Anyway, this was my year, a couple of last years, in the Valley of Achor. i also like to remind you that the valley is where the feast is kept. And uh, the enemy sees what's going on, but he can't touch us there. Sits all around, and he's really, really jealous about that potato salad. (laughs) But this feast is in the valley, and that's where we learn... Um, So, I guess, in conclusion, what I'd like to do is pray Paul's prayer from Ephesians 3 over you. So, Heavenly Father, I kneel humbly before you, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth, And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength flows through your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends into our understanding this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of god never doubt god's mighty work power to work in you and accomplish all this he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.